This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 181 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the first week of October. Nick and I. Uh, Hockey season for both squads in St. Cloud officially around the corner coming up this weekend. Men's team gets underway. Women's team gets their first uh, first taste of hockey in October underway. They already had a great sweep two weeks ago against Union, had a, a week off to debrief that, and now we are officially into the hockey season, I would say. It feels like we're actually on schedule, so to speak, which the Huskies Warming House podcast has never really been on schedule. So I don't Especially know. Especially from the host, but that's okay. You know, I'm here. <laughs> I, for, you know, I, funny enough, we were just talking about this pre-show. For those who don't know, by the way, because I'm sure a lot of people picked up on the fact that we did have some pre-recorded segments and, and things from the summer. And uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely had to. Um, and for me, I, I, if you don't know this, if you're new to the show, which I can't imagine many people are, but um, I am a night shift nurse. So we are recording this at eight o'clock at night. And I like I've just woken up, for example. So, um, yeah, That's it's. Right. It, let's be honest it's not you're the nurse you've had nursing care and because you're you know, you're stuck <laughs> on some substance like red bull or some other crap let's let's be real listen listen if there's anybody that's a candidate for anything nursing especially related to a nursing home i think we know who that is on this show i'm just nursing putting home. That. oh yeah caleb jp buddy you know <laughs> funny enough you want to talk about a, a nursing home move here my dad is uh he just turned 60 not too long ago and uh um, so Nick, you'll get there in like three years. Uh, two. <laughs> we were we were actually up at the the lake on my weekend off, and I we stopped at a gas station up at the lake, and you know we're grabbing some beer and stuff like that, and uh, we go in, and it's me, my dad, and the dog, and uh, he jumps out uh, to go get some beer, and I'm like, ah, I'm like maybe I'll get like a couple candy bars or something, you know, something like that or whatever. So I jump out with him. We go up, we go, and we pay and whatnot. Come back out to the truck can't get in the truck keys are in the truck oh no dog had jumped up on the side of the oh the little railing and had because and had, it's like it's like a 2016 chevy silverado yeah had, well, had hit hit the lot years newer than i expect any other truck to be in north dakota so that's good you know in typical dad <laughs> fashion though 
the dog locks us out. And the first thing he, my dad does is he turns to me and he goes, you locked us out, kid. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking at me for? I'm also, I mean, I'm probably still a kid at heart, but I'm almost 27. I'm like, we can probably dispense with the kid thing at that point. But right. um, yeah, so that was tough. Luckily for us, we were about five minutes from home. Thankfully, not like down in town. So it, it was a pretty quick pickup for us. But yeah, we were... Uh, we were sitting in there and the gas station attendant was absolutely rolling because we're like, can we use your phone? We don't have our phones. The dog has them. So, of course, <laughs> so, of course, we're watching the dog and my dad has like a container of like Carmex chapstick on the thing. And he starts like chewing on the thing. And we're like, hey, like, stop doing that. But you can't get in the vehicle. So it was it was an interesting ride. I wonder I, if the dog was trying to get, you know, that backdoor poker game set up and you figured, <laughs> you know what, just going to do it here in the truck. and. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's possible, you know, I, I know. get him at the gas station. Perfect. I, I the best part was so our dog's name. We have a Springer Spaniel. He just turned two. his name is Scout. And uh, he's just sitting there in the driver's seat. All like, I don't know what you guys are looking at me for. I, <laughs> why aren't you guys coming in? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why, yeah, why do you keep banging on the windows? <laughs> yeah. Innocent until br- proven guilty, apparently. But, uh, you know, that is not the case for the Huskies Warming House podcast. We are definitely guilty of having a way different poll than NCHC Media Day did. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We did much better on the WCHA side, the, their rankings, obviously. So we'll touch on that, too, as well, well as we'll say that these polls are going to be right. That means we'll just be equally off when it happens. Yeah, we uh, we were right in line with the NCHC last year, and look how that turned out. Um, besides oh, the top two teams, maybe yeah, maybe it is. I'm not sure. I <laughs> uh, and what I can tell you is a good thing is this is the week where we get to preview Saint Cloud State on the women's side here in the WCHA. We have them finishing fifth in the conference, as do our quote unquote peers uh, at the WCHA as well in their poll. So we'll talk about Saint Cloud and all their glory in our second to last preview before the season here on episode 181. We start as always with Sunrise View news and notes presented by the Soda Pod and HuskiesIllustrated.com. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 181. Nick Max and Noah Grant here for another week in the den. And Nick, uh, starting on the men's side here, uh, NCHC Media Day, uh, another good one, as always. Probably one of our favorite days of the year. Really a chance to uh, kind of, I would almost say, maybe the culmination of our NCHC previews in some senses, where it's like we get to talk about these teams uh, if you haven't figured it out, we obviously don't follow every single one of the teams as extensively as we do our St. Cloud State Huskies. So we're not don't say you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're not privy to everything that goes on. You know, if you are a listener from Denver or CC or Duluth or what have you, um, although if you're Max Veach, you're probably complaining about everything related well, to the refs in general this conversation. So he's got nothing. <laughs> no ammo for him. No, nothing. No ammo for him, but it is a great chance to hear from, you know, various uh, uh, team head coaches and captains and players and things like that and kind of get a scope of, you know, we've talked about our perceptions from the St. Cloud side related to all these other teams. Now, how do they really perceive themselves and what do they expect for the upcoming year? So, uh, Nick, I guess uh, before we get into the rankings and kind of our highlights for the day, I you know, this is 
your 10,000th NCHA media day, it feels like now. Um, Getting close, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, what is what does that day kind of mean to you? Because obviously every year it's something that you have circled on the calendar and make sure that you try to make it if you can. Um, you know, it, it sort of starts the season, right? Um, mm-hmm. That to me is, you know, kind of what it means. But more so to your point, it gives us an opportunity to sit down and kind of get intimate with the coaches and the and the captains, right? Kind of pick their brains a bit, talk about what they're excited about. Um, the good news is when you have everybody <clears throat> under one room and everybody has the same winning percentage, it makes the conversations a lot easier, which is nice. Um, <clears throat> but more so... You know, you can sort of get an idea of where the coaches are at and, you know, obviously some names pop up. But, you know, I think, you know, reading the tea leaves and sometimes in between the lines, right, you get a sense of, you know, what they're anticipating as far as a strength, maybe some things they'll see as a challenge um, and, you know, some reflection time, too. And I think that's the best part about it is you get to kind of be a little bit more open with these coaches and captains, because really after that day, it becomes a lot more difficult for these players and coaches to kind of get a little bit more open with you. I know it becomes a little bit more of the show, the, the standard Q and A's. So it's, it's a nice time to sort of kind of get more in depth with them and to kind of pick their brain of where they think they're going to be. Yeah. And it's a lot more fun to, for lack of a better term, have that conversation. Again, we're going to preview obviously our St. Cloud teams in the next two weeks to cap off 16 total previews that we do. And when you get through the first 14 and you know it's kind of a one-sided conversation so to speak if you want to quote, yeah. quote a minnesota native and kevin kling if anybody knows who that is um that it, it's a little bit more fun being able to talk back and forth about you know a team and kind of get, get their aspects of what they think um as far as what we thought here for the season uh on the nchc side we had denver at number one st cloud at two omaha at three western michigan rounding out the home spots at four then north dakota cc duluth and miami rounding out our bottom four here um the NCHC media poll was much different. So in comparison to ours, like we said, uh, starting from the bottom, number eight, Miami garnered 28 points in the NCHC. We also had Miami at number eight. Uh, unfortunately, that Red Hawks program just a little bit left to be desired, kind of waiting for them to kind of turn a corner again and find some, some success. Question mark is, can they finish higher than eighth season and eighth this season? And can they get out of the basement next year uh, and avoid that spot or even number nine when ASU enters the fold uh, next year. So, Yikes. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I, I guess no uh, tw- 28 points. I mean, a, a full, what would that be? 71 points shy of the next place team in seventh. Uh, that's that's tough. That's rough. Um, and we've talked about it, right? We There isn't an easy answer for this program, right? I know that a lot of attention is paid to Chris Bergeron and, you know, are there challenges that Miami's facing in terms of recruiting? And, you know, is there something more, you know, at the home there? Of course, we don't know, but let's just say this. I, I think it's fair to say this. No one, again, we're not trying to disrespect the program or Chris Bergeron by any stretch of the means. Cause mind you, before Chris Bergeron was at Miami, he had a hell of a career actually with Bowling Green, right? So, I mean, he was a respected name. You just kind of wonder if he's maybe handcuffed a bit. Um, you know, you just, you sort of, you know, we have to question that a bit, but to your point, what an outlook from a fan's perspective to think that if you are a Miami fan or you're watching the NCHC and seeing the year after your struggle with these Red Hawks to know that what you're trying to achieve is not go lower, right. For next year. Right. Um, 
And again, you know, and here's some of the in-between stuff, right? You kind of wonder from a fan's perspective, if you're looking at this with Chris Bergeron, right? You know, is it really all him? Right. You know, and for him, you know, do you, we thought that maybe his job was on the hot seat last year. I would have to think it has to be this year. But again, with Miami and, you know, some of the circling rumors and, you know, we won't get into all of it, but the perception I think is out there that there's maybe more than just the head coach that is Sam's, you know, kind of handcuffing this program. Again, hard to know for sure. We don't know all the answers. We're not going to pretend that we do, but it sort of gives me that vibe. I don't know if you feel the same way, Noah, but just it feels like they're spinning their tires or should I say this? Maybe it feels like they're not even pushing on the pedal anymore. Yeah, it's kind of an odd thing. It's weird. It's almost that I almost envision a, a fishing rod with a set of handcuffs uh, coming from uh, the southern part of Arizona up to uh, Ohio. Is that? <laughs> um, that I mean, is, a, I mean, I mean, you know, AS, 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 the athletic director from Miami. Well, I mean, ASU was certainly a weird little side story for a team that really didn't need any extra side story. They need to get back on the high horse and make some noise in the NCHC. And right now they're just have not, they haven't really put themselves in a position to do that. And it seems right. like even with their lack of success with the mass exodus that we've seen from players and groups in the past couple of years, you know, you have guys that I, for lack of a better term, Miami right now has kind of been like the gateway drug to players who want to play at another spot in the NCHC. Really, they go and play their year yeah. in Miami to get their foot in the door and get in the conference and then go to another program. It's And it sucks because it's like, think about Miami when the NCHC was first, uh, you know, in doctrine. They yeah. were a fantastic program. They were moments away from winning a national championship. And it's like, does this not remind you a little bit of when Don Lucia left Colorado College and then it was sort of the opposite, right? Where, yeah. you know, very respected, you know, national championship winning Tigers, right? All of a sudden become where you think Miami is, right? And that's sort of what we've seen from, shall we say, the days of Rico Blasi to now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's tough. I mean, and again, like for those who are listening, um, it's not that we take pride in this conversation. It's not like no. we're trying to beat the dead horse. It's act, it's actually more of you try to figure out what it is because I think we've said this in the past and what that if every team in the NCHC was, I don't want to say competitive, but I don't know how else to frame it, right? Was, you know, just at a different level. The NCHC would be, I think, even more fun to watch because there would be some drama. There would be some, you know, maybe some playoff bursts that are won or lost even in the regular season and, you know, you'd have some more ups and downs in the po postseason. It just stinks that for whatever reason, that program just can't seem to turn a corner. And for whatever reason that is, and you, you kind of hope actually that they do at some point figure well, it out sooner than later. But. Well, we've had that conversation. We finally got to the point last year and maybe the year before where Colorado college finally became that seventh team to kind of get back into that competitive fold. You'd like to see yeah. it be eight and then hopefully nine next season. So, you know, you hope Miami, um, you know, if Miami could finish seventh or sixth in the NCHC, I think it would be a, you know, a great jump or if they're finishing eighth, but they're within a stone's throw, I would say within a weekend, 
in terms of a points in terms of a point spread of seventh or sixth, i would say it would be a successful season you know hopefully they're going to find some success it's it's going to take time there's no doubt about that Mm -hmm. uh speaking of colorado college and the teams above them uh that is who the nchc had at number seven we actually had duluth at number seven in our spot kind of a bit of a controversial call for us uh the nchc has sure though the NCHC has ranked Duluth at five. Now, to give you an idea of where the point spread is between five and seven, according to their poll, uh, that is a full 34-point difference. 123 and one single first-place vote must have been Max Veach. Um, and then uh, vote, so there's that. <laughs> and then Colorado <laughs> College uh, at 89. So um, we have Duluth at seven, Colorado College at six. So Duluth... Um, is two back of the poll according to us cc is plus one um for us in terms of our poll here i don't think the cc take at number six um is a big reach but this five to seven reach uh, some people might again we've talked about this duluth at seven hmm? did we overextend ourselves or is this bulldog team going to struggle this year so this is one of the coaches i spent some time with right with scott sandlin and you know there was Shall I say a big part of the conversation, again, this is with a lot of media too, is on that self-reflection, right? Um, he talked about how, you know, his feedback process works. And that's not only from um, his own coaches, his own little self-reflection, but also he gets direct feedback from the players too. I would love to know a couple of those from that locker room that maybe aren't in that same locker room this season, just honestly for curiosity purposes. But um you know, he, he talked about how he just kind of felt like they just didn't get the bounces. Yeah. And also, like, just for whatever reason, they just never really got to their game. Um, the good news for Bulldogs fans is Scott Salem has never had a back-to-back seasons like this, right? Um, which makes, if we think about it in retrospect, right? You no, know, because we, we put these together early in the summer, maybe a bit of a reach, but at the same time, you can't discount also uh, above them what CC has done, where they're going. Yeah. Um, you can't dis- you know, discount where Western Michigan is or some others above them. So I think you know that point spread 34 between five and seven, it almost shows that it's actually close and that yeah. these guys could finish anywhere in that range. And it, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly the conversation we had. We talked about how we have Duluth at seven, but that mix of five through seven, and I would say even points wise, it looks like the NCH is leaning more towards four through six is where they think the kind of the bulk of the traffic jam is going to be. But again, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I, I don't, you know, Again, we talked about how inaccurate our polls were last year, too, and we were right on with the NCHC. I mean, a lot can happen in this conference, and that speaks to the strength of the conference and how different yes. this can look at the end of the season. Uh, you talk about Colorado College. We have them at six, so we move them up one spot from what the NCHC believed in. We've we've talked about how high we've been for this Tigers program. Yes. And again, they were knocking on the doorstep last season. They ultimately didn't maybe get the positioning that we thought they were going to have through the first maybe like two-thirds and change of the year um but boy uh, i i think during playoff time they outdid themselves <laughs> yeah uh no mind you again one of my favorite interviews is chris mayotte hands down just yeah. an absolute beauty of a human being i asked uh their captain about him i said what's it like playing for chris mayotte and he's like he just instills belief because he's a guy that you know and i even said you know i don't play you know, that's been 20 plus, you know, decades since I played. But I'm like, even when I sit down and talk to him as a media person, he makes me want to run through a freaking wall just with what the way he speaks. Right. And 
when I spoke to the Chris Mayotte, you know, he gave me the impression of this. No, I'll give you this analogy. Um, think of the preseason poll as we're sitting on a poker table and the rest of the table feels like he's got nine ten. Chris Mayotte is in the table and he is holding pocket kings. I really do feel like, and I asked him, what's the next step, right? Well, because again, he talked about it last year when their season ended that they felt like they were in most of their games and they felt like they couldn't close out a couple, a big reason for maybe their regular season finish. But towards the end, I think he said their last eight games, they gave up only 14 goals. Yeah. Huge, right? And then he also said that, you know, coming into this season, what he's most excited about is he's going to have a different looking blue line. He's actually yeah. got three of the top 15 point producers from the USHL in his blue line. Um, Noah, you and I have watched this team evolve over the past couple of years. And, and I think we've made the mention that, you know, their forward group, again, we talk about some guys like Hunter McCallum, that they're going to lose that big shot. But, you know, I think they're going to replace it in tandem with some more punch from their blue line. And I think that is going to be that next dynamic for Chris Mayotte. And he just simply said, look, what's 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 next for us is we just got to continue to believe that the work we have is going to pay off. We did that for last year towards the end. We're going to have to do a full season of that. He's like, I have belief in this group. He's like, this group is already coming together super close because everybody got on a campus early. There is a real buzz in that locker room. There's a real buzz from the head coach. And again, some of the best looking jerseys in the NCHC. I hate to say it. They're just, they're just sick. I love yeah. It. And it, and it took a long time for them to get to that point. Cause they had probably yeah. one of the worst uh, looking yeah. jerseys for a while there, you know, but you talked about it, getting that secondary scoring. And when it's not coming from the forward side, I think that just balances this group out. We talked about how staunch they were defensively, really a lot of similarities to the Minnesota wild in the past couple of years plays a great sound defensive game. Now they need that offensive supplementation. They need that yep. breakout group. Uh, and if it comes from all facets, so be it. I think if you have a dual threat in the forward and defensive core for CC, I'm excited to watch this Tigers team playing yeah. simple. I think 89 points, putting them at seventh place in the NCHC for media day, not too thrilled about it. I think, I think they're better than that. We asked, that. we asked, and at the end of, you know, we asked every coach this, right. And their answer is pretty much a little bit of the same, right. And that is it's preseason polls. Right. Yeah. Um, I think some of the players, right. And I think if you were to take them out of that landscape, right. That I think some of them would like, and I go, well, screw this, right. Let's, let's prove them wrong. Um, but at the end of it, you know, even Chris may caution that he's like, you know, listen, everybody's got their opinion. Fine. Right. goes, you know, instead of maybe using it as motivation, let's just believe that we're just better and just go out and prove it. Yeah, that we belong in that spot. Exactly. Uh, speaking of belonging in a spot that went the other direction here, number five, we had North Dakota in that spot. NCHC pundits have them at number two at 175, which is, <laughs> um, what would that be mathematically, 24 points shy yeah. of number one Denver, who had 11 yeah. first place votes in fact north dakota i or i think north dakota had 12 they actually had more than can i can i say it this way yeah if you're a media member in a monarchy would you would you call the king on his bs no <laughs> i mean i i get the sense of that honestly no um i actually think we have north dakota exactly where they're going to be yeah and i'll tell you why so i did i sat down with brad barry and you know as much as people give craft North Dakota, I actually like Brad as a coach. I think he's actually a pretty straight shooter. Uh, I actually yeah. think he's, you know, for what he's had to go through the past little bit, I think um, that he actually 
coaches a pretty solid game. Yeah, and I think I think we would agree with that. By the way, too, I think when yeah. it comes to the players and the program, who wouldn't want to play for North Dakota? It's it's the right. fans, right? <laughs> yeah, it's some take it more seriously than they should. Anyway, yeah. Um, but you know, what I asked Bradbury about the you know the turnover, you know, fourteen players. Um, and he just said, you know, look, we had honest conversations. You know, there are some players that just wanted more, and we weren't going to be able to give that to him. So. Um, you talk about, you know, Nick Port's going to St. Cloud. He goes, he's a great kid. He goes, St. Cloud's going to love this guy. Hardworking player. He's going to fill the role that they need. He goes, we, we hate to see him go, but, you know, he was great for us here at North Dakota. We wish him nothing but the best, right? So, um, but he did not directly, when I asked him about an entire defensive core, you know, coming together, essentially brand new. And essentially he said, you know, it, it's it's challenge, yes, but he's like at the end of it, you know, Everybody has to share that responsibility. Um, now, we did sort of mention, because I asked him about Pearson, right? Ludwig Pearson. And I sort of kind of jabbed him a little bit. I suppose, you know, how we were chomping at the bit when he entered the transfer portal. <laughs> and um, he wouldn't admit that he was, you know, on the phone within 30 seconds, but um, did say that, yeah, I'm sure that many other phones were, were calling him when when his name entered, <laughs> uh, entered the, uh, the landscape there. Um, but he did sort of say, not directly, that they're probably going to have to rely on him early. Right, that this defensive core is probably going to take time to come together to be able to feel out each other again. We've talked about this before, Noah. No matter what level of hockey, right? There's so much that has to go between the trust of, of a defensive pair and just sort of the instincts to know that where they're going to be, how they like to play the game. It's it's chemistry that you develop with your defensive partner, and that doesn't happen overnight. Um, so North Dakota season and why they're at two. I think you and I would agree that that's based on their offensive firepower that they're returning. And we're not taking anything away from that. But I also think that this team could be similarly hampered just as much as they were last year. And Bradbury admitted that we lost because of our defense. Yeah, we did. And he's like, we, you know, we pride ourselves on a strong defensive game and we just didn't have that last year. He goes, it lost those games either lost because we led and we couldn't hold it or, you know, we were ahead and we just, you know, we couldn't sustain it at the end of the day. And it, it, there's something to be said too, for, you know, players don't just leave North Dakota. Like I like, you know, put that out there where it's like, right. it's a primo program in college hockey to play for. And I think it's like, you know, if you're having that honest conversation, I, you know, you got to credit Brad a little bit for not being afraid to shuffle the deck a little bit. You know, it's hard sometimes at a program like that to feel like you can hit the reset button on the fly a little bit. And correct. And you actually, perfectly segued into a question that a lot of people are asking these coaches and Bradbury included is, you know, the, the effect of the transfer portal. Right. And, uh, you know, granted we're towards the end of the COVID extra year, right. Which is thrown in the coach's perspective, a little bit of a wrench. I think all of them sort of agree that we, they, they think it'll calm down a little bit, but I think the general expectation is this is sort of the new norm and, you know, that's interesting. Right. And so it says volumes that, you know, players i because I, I think it's twofold right i think coaches are it's sort of you know in a weird way you know we talked about leo gruba last week and you know some of the challenges with those conversations yeah. before we even get to a program um but i think the expectation now from college coaches is nothing's guaranteed for every year right um yeah. and more so i think on the players and i think seeing the transfer portal and you know there's probably stories like grant crookshank for example the guy the huskies really benefited from when I talked about Larson, they were like, we would have been happy with 10 goals. He got what, almost 20 or yeah. if he didn't hit 20. He's like, you know, so at the end of it, players are taking advantage of it and they're, you know, bettering themselves and better opportunities because of that. 
So because there's more of those stories in ladder, that's why most of the college hockey landscape is expecting sort of these numbers to continue even after the COVID eligibility. So um, I think coaches now are just kind of preparing for every off season to sort of be this guessing game and kind of forcing everybody to check in with each other. Just, you know, Hey, where you're at. And if a player isn't not getting the ice time or the opportunity he wants, you can hit the transfer portal and coaches will have to adjust in the program. So it's, and like you said, when you leave North Dakota, it shows you that I think the landscape's changing with the player's perspective where it's not just about, you know, Herb Brooks quote, right? Not just the program on the front, but the name in the back. I think they're also understanding that, hey, college hockey is competitive. I also have dreams either to make a pro career and, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I don't have to play for North Dakota. I can go to a lot of other schools right. that have a pedigree of developing NHL talent, which to a degree, no, and I want to get your thoughts on this, shows that the college hockey game is gaining notoriety. It's also showing that they're adjusting and getting to the higher level that I think kids are being attracted to to come develop their game, knowing they have a chance to make it into the pros. Well, we've talked about it. I, I think the only negative side of this is you worry about programs that are smaller programs and programs that have a tough time recruiting normally. Again, your CCs, yes. your Miamis, your Omahas, that's where the challenge lies. Um, but the NCHC itself has bolstered itself into uh, a formation where they have strong teams, seven, eight teams at a time that have looked really good. Arizona State, for example, going to be a fantastic addition. So yes. um, it'll be very good. Uh, you know, I will say at least for our purposes here too um even if we, we have discrepancies here um three out of the four bottom teams and three out of the four top teams we had in the top or bottom four respectively in this poll so i think that you know we're still kind of of the mind too of where you can tell the programs that are still maybe going to have sustained success this is in north dakota at two in our eyes a bit of a reach i think that's kind of fair to say um Number four, Western Michigan, exactly where we had them. Uh, not a whole lot to say, I think, for Pat Fershweiler's squad here. Blue collar group definitely is someone that could finish anywhere from three to five, I think, in this conference. I think four is the exact spot that is yeah, well for them. They get a bump late, no pun intended. Um, yeah. You know, um, what a get, though, honestly, for Pat yeah. Fershweiler. Because um, I would imagine, well, Actually, probably not, because you think of the timing to the, the Vermont situation for those we, we've talked about that in episodes past, uh, just not a good situation for a lot of people involved in the Vermont community. In fact, I think just recently this week, if I remember correctly, or was it late last week that they finalized the coaching um, changes, essentially, um, yeah. as part of that fallout. Um, so you're hoping that the program can be stable, right? Because um, I know mm -hmm. that Alex Bump was one of their primo um, commits. They still have Max Strand. That's a primo commit. Again, another Minnesota kid up from Roseau um, that, as far as we know, still got the, the catamount attached to his name. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's tough, right? Um, and I think yeah. for Western Michigan, um, four is right where they're at. I, again, you can't, it's hard to replace a Jason Poland. You know, thirty plus goals. I mean, that's a hell of a, it's a hell of a senior campaign. And mind you, just in a wicked release, wicked shot. He's definitely got um, uh, an NHL shot to his game. Um, but so we'll have to do it by committee. But um, again, depth in their lineup, 
guys who will come in and definitely contribute. They probably won't be able to rely on, you know, the one guy like a Poland. They'll have to do it more by committee, but still enough talent there where they deserve to be in the top four. Yeah, certainly would agree. I really, as we kind of go through the list here, it sorts itself out for the most part, I guess, in the top two. We, of course, had Denver at number one, as did the NCHE, this Pioneers team. We previewed them last week. They're going to be a good team. I mean, there's a a wagon. Yeah, they're going to be good. Um, Number two, we talked about North Dakota being there. We have St. Cloud State in that spot. They move up from number three in the NCHC poll to number two in ours, so a plus one bump. We'll talk about the Huskies next week uh, for the men's program in depth. Uh, So our final spot here at number three, uh, moving uh, plus three in our eyes compared to the NCHC poll here, Nick. And maybe this was our reach on the other side of Duluth, potentially. Omaha slotting in at number six with 113 points uh, in the NCHC polls. We have them at number three, which would move them where St. Cloud is currently listed at 155. So a pretty stark contrast of uh, what would that be? Uh, Mathematic 42 points. Is that right? Somewhere around there. Um, Yeah, this Omaha group, again, we talked about they could finish anywhere from three to five. Uh, Again, we talked about maybe even three to six being uh, a potential challenge too. Uh, we've been high on this Mavs team. And again, we talked about it where, uh, you know, if you're Mike Gabonet and you, you have, you look at this and you say, mm, like, maybe we don't have the firepower that a lot of other teams have. Maybe we don't have these high end recruits. I, uh, is this a reach for us to, in our final spot to put them at number three, or do they have enough blue collar grit to be a formidable force in the NCHC? I think they do so. And and then for the record, it's Gabinet like Cabinet. Yeah. Um, I always goof it up here and there too. So um, but I talked to Noah Sullivan, again, Eden Prairie kid, who is their captain and uh, you know, sort of the shall we say the aura around uh, Nebraska Omaha hockey. And um it's kind of funny because this was after for those who don't remember, Media Day was just after the big volleyball game that was held at the uh, football stadium because that's mm-hmm. the only way they can sell it out, their football team won't. Um, but uh at the end of the day, they truly believe that they have four lines deep. They really do. And I, I actually tend to agree with them. I really do. Uh, Gavinet echoed the same thing. He goes, you know, it's, it's, we don't have the star power. Um, you know, we've got some good kids. He's like, might surprise some people, but he goes, for the most part, we're going to be a hardworking blue collar type team that's going to come at you in waves. And uh, um, I, I will tell you, it was Noah Sullivan's an absolute joy to talk to. Um, you know, because they talk about the recruiting process, um, you know, again, other media surrounding these conversations and the the the, the common theme we hear uh, from Noah Sullivan was, you know, when you put Nebraska Omaha's name and that's all people know about college hockey, there's kind of a, this befuddled question mark, right? That's like, what? And then you get down to the facilities and it's just like, holy cow. Right. And we sort of kind of went back to that and said, you know, there was a reason the NCHE chose you to host the pod, not North Dakota, you know, which I'm sure they're still triggered about that, but that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, and, but they said, yeah, it goes, you know, if we can get them on campus, it's like it, the, it sells itself. Baxter Arena is absolutely gorgeous. It's a primo hockey facility. And he goes, it's not even beyond that. You know, the apartments, the dorms, he goes, the academics, he goes, the whole experience is fantastic. And he's like, you know, it's, it's certainly still tough. He goes, there's some, still some, he thinks geography that's attached to it, but he goes, he, he really feels confident, uh, the captain and with Gabinet and our conversations that they feel like, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're going to bump and bruise you. Um, and they also going to have some scoring touch that might surprise some people. And I tend to agree with them. 
Yeah, definitely. And really what it came down to for our polls compared to the NCHC polls, it was really Omaha versus North Dakota flip-flopping in, in relative sense there. And then it's really Duluth versus Colorado College and then throw that Omaha UND six spot in there. Um, and yep. That's kind of where we were at for the discrepancies. Uh, Nick, before we move on to the women's team for St. Cloud and briefly touch on the WCHA poll, which there won't be much to touch on because we were pretty much right on the money with them, at least for yep. the start of the season. I. Any particular highlight that you wanted to pull from NCHC Media Day? I do actually, and this and this is something where I think college hockey fans want to hear. Right, this was very much shared because you know Scott Stanley's part of the college hockey, you know, essentially committee board. So it's not the rules committee, but essentially more of a, an advisory board, just ideas here and there. And let's just say this sentiment was shared by every single coach in the room that they're they didn't say it this way. So I'll kind of reframe it for them. Um, essentially, from the Sandlin's mouth, we need to do more about the small programs. Um, so there, and so if I frame that, the question is, there seems to be a concern about those small schools, right? So I'm guessing the independents, right? So we're talking the Alaska schools. We're probably talking the the small schools. I let's throw Miami in there, right? Um, Heck, you know, I I won't even say St. Cloud is a far cry away from yeah, that conversation. Honestly, at this point. Um, and they talked about, you know, how we need to do more as a college hockey universe to prop up and ensure that these small schools survive. Right. Um, you know, so in other words, how I gather it again, you know, you can talk about, NL, you know, um, NIL deals or you can talk about funding gaps here and there. And, you know, at the end of it, I think there is a true conversation happening behind closed doors. If I'm following the tea leaves correctly, which sometimes I'm not, that I think there is a growing concern with not only the cost of the game, but also, you know, to some of these other programs that aren't getting you know the same funding with other conferences. And, you know, they're having to rely on maybe other sports within the school or maybe some grant money, you know, sponsorship. St. Cloud right now, I'll tell you, is highly reliant on their essentially their donors right and it's a i hate to say it's a small list it should be a lot bigger um that the sustainability of some of these schools is in question that's what i yeah. inferred and it sounds like there really is a push behind closed doors with these uh, head coaches to bring i think not only awareness i think there is that already but to try to find an actual applicable solution to make sure that they are sustainable and how probably honestly how to maybe disperse the wealth per se to make sure that college hockey continues to not only expand but more so do it in a way that's concrete and with a solid foundation yeah certainly sustainability is key even for teams across the board uh for example st cloud state coming into the season number eight in the national pools uh for the men's program so again gives you an idea that it, it doesn't just mean that the top teams and the big dogs are going to be safe if you're up in that top 16 and getting an NCAA bid. There's a lot of conversation to be had there. It's going to be an exciting season. We can't wait to talk about the men's team next week and cap off our previews for the NCHC and get hockey season officially underway. On the women's side, uh, you look at uh, the polls that came out for uh, the WCHA and we were fairly on the money. We had a couple of cop-outs quote-unquote so to speak uh we had ohio state followed by wisconsin uh wisconsin and ohio state actually tied in the wcha poll for first place votes for each of them 46 points apiece in the preseason poll so but we did have them at one and two um ohio state we had at one 
Uh, and then Minnesota at number three, the WCHA agreed with that 35 points, uh, a full 11 points shy for the Gophers in number three. Uh, Duluth rounds out the home spots, just two points shy of the Gophers at 33 points. Uh, we had them at number four as well. And I like that pick. It shows how competitive Duluth could be this season. St. Cloud, which we'll talk about today, is at 27, only five back of Duluth. Again, a conversation we've had where the top five could be very good. St. Cloud State coming in at number 13 in the national polls to start the year. Um, and then number six, we had Mankato. Number seven, we had St. Thomas. Both of them sharing the sixth place spot, according to the WCHA polls, at 17 points. And we both had Bemidji State rounding out the poll at number eight. Seven points total for the Beavers, who are in for some probably big turnover this season from what we talked about. They are they were our first preview of the season uh, this past summer. So, uh, Nick, I guess just briefly before we talk about uh, the St. Cloud women's team, uh, we agree, similar like yep. we did with the NCHC last year, um, doesn't mean we're going to be right. Um, do you feel like this one might be closer to being on the money, all things considered? Probably, you know, I think, you know, again, in short, we we talk about how the WCHA is really in two tiers and it's split pretty much in half, right? You have Minnesota, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and probably now, if we're being honest, Duluth up in that upper echelon. And then you have the other four, including St. Cloud in that bottom tier. Uh, the hope is, you know, that St. Cloud is going to knock on the door of that top four again. So you maybe take that shall we say dotted line and maybe extend it down to five, right? Um, it's going to be a tough, uh, shall we say door to crack, but uh, we do feel like, you know, that's kind of where things stand with the WCHA. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. And if you can get at least five teams in the fold and Mankato continues to push, um, I think it's going to be a really fun year for college hockey yeah. on the women's side. The WCHA, arguably the best conference in women's college hockey, hopefully looking to Not maintain even that. Arguably. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully look, I was trying to be nice about it. Since <laughs> um, when have you ever done that? I, I, I try occasionally. Um Occasionally, well, it's not when we're playing MLB the show. I'll tell you that much. Hey, um, like Miami versus Denver, not good. I'll 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 say Miami or maybe Denver versus Minot State this season. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the women's side, though, uh, same building as the men, of course. Herbert's National Hockey Center, five thousand one hundred fifty nine is capacity for that uh, building. Uh, right now, St. Cloud State, a full eighteen points shy of Duluth last season, they finished fifth behind the fourth place Duluth Bulldogs. Uh, Nick, take us through last season and some. Of the records that were actually fairly good as far as conference play was concerned so uh i know f some folks said that 18 was their their record I, I believe if i checked their history right back in the mid 2000s they I actually say 19, 20, 19 or 19 20 yeah. was the program record so yeah. uh and mind you talk to idolski uh, a couple of weeks ago before their series opener and uh, he, i asked him about 20 and he said yeah be nice as, as he sipped his coffee. Yeah, his, his you know, <laughs> Costa Rican dark roast, apparently. And he gets his beans from North Dakota somewhere. So, um, but no, uh, again, you know, to me, it's not about the stats, right? You know, I, I guess maybe I'm the old school hockey eye test guy. Um, again, playing the game and broadcasting it. Um, you could tell, because I remember I was up there for the, the first against RPI, the one of the first weekends, and the difference in their play was instantaneous. Um, you could just tell, especially in the defensive zone, a lot better structure and more so when they got the puck, right? Everybody that was on the ice knew where they had to go without it. 
to offer up a lane or you know as far as a passing lane or if there was an opportunity to skate the puck it was get the puck out and go right go north um this year even more so on the offensive side um so at the end of it last year started that foundation um they got you know good wins again against minnesota which hadn't happened in a long time they took ohio state to a shootout um you wisconsin could just, wisconsin right so at the yeah. end of it these are teams that let's be honest right for lack of a better term when they either were on the schedule it was okay how how bad is it gonna be right you know and if we can keep them close it's it was less of you know st cloud feeling like they had a good game and more so it was kind of a combination of a really good game and maybe not the best outing for the other opponent that's not gonna be the same this year um they and last year too right they they really kept games close in a few um again just maybe lacking some punch back but uh they put them their foots down they battled hard and that was the big thing that i think we noticed and um uh, it led to some really exciting moments and uh you know, they're going to be definitely hungry for more this year. That's for you, sure. You know what stands out to me, Nick? Uh, there wasn't a single team in the WCHA last season that the Huskies did not take at least a point from. And, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, for example, the team that had their number the most last season was Duluth. Only one uh, shootout loss. The Huskies could only push past regulation, but all the games were close. one nothing victory against Wisconsin. We talked about the overtime loss to Ohio State and then a victory in that non-conference game against Minnesota, which unfortunately... Unfortunately, Minnesota was the only team that, according to the WCHA, they didn't garner points from because it was a non-conference game. But nonetheless, uh, great success for this program, right? You talked about it, 18 wins, 18 losses. Uh, um, 18, 18, and 1 was the official record, so exactly 500, 11, 16, and 1 in conference play. Um, you talked about those one-goal contests, 4 and 5. I mean, they're right under 500 in those games. Uh, very good record when scoring first. When they outshot their their opponent, they were undefeated. Um, so you talked about how shot volume was obviously very pivotal. Um, exactly 500 at home, 8 and 8. You like to see that. Uh, 7, 10 and 1 on the road, 3 and 0 in neutral sites. So you talk about if they would have made an NCAA tournament, it could have been interesting. 7 and 0 in non-conference play. Nick, I believe the best yeah. record in the WCHA in non-conference action, actually oh, besting so. Ohio State. So, um, and of course, 0-2 in the playoffs, they lost one nothing and 5-1 in the WCHA opener to Duluth. Backbreaker. Um, yeah, it was. Emotionally. Um, and even Idolsky said after, you know, that weekend series again against uh, Union that, uh, if, you know, effectively they were just already kind of out of gas towards the end of the season. And uh, when you take a close team like that, that you had a chance with and you just get squeaked out, I think, you know, not physically, but certainly emotionally, I think that was very deflating. Yeah, certainly would agree. And obviously a team at 20% on the power play, nothing to scoff at. Um, 86% yeah. on the PK. Yeah, I mean, you, good. <laughs> some pretty good numbers. Uh, scoring wise, actually, the Huskies were outscored by nine on the season, 96 to 87, a much closer margin um, than previous years. Their best period much was lighter usually. Yes, uh, their best period was period number two, where they put up 41 goals, 438 against. Uh, they were minus one goal diff in period number one. It was the third period where teams started to pull away um, mm -hmm. if it wasn't a close contest. Outshot still pretty heavily around like 250 to 300. Um, but other than that, some really great numbers for this program. Um, and, you know, a lot of great things to take away. None of which, uh, you know, would be remiss to mention the reigning USCHO National Coach of the Year, WCHA Coach of the Year, a 595 winning percentage uh, for Brian Idolsky in his second season, 16 total seasons as a head coach, um, 295, 193, and 51 overall uh, entering the year this year. Nick, I mean, 
what more can we say about Brian Idolsky? And hint, hint for those who are listening, um, it's a long list that we have on our note sheet. So uh, Not a very long list, right? <laughs> so um, the accolades, you know, it's nice, you know, that he's getting recognized. But again, right, you know, um, just it's more than just now, right? He's he's gotten the job done, no matter where he's gone. And it, I think just because of just the stark turnaround. It's yeah. what's kind of gotten him, you know, sort of say more recognized because of that. Right. So how about this? Three conference coach of the year honors while coaching his teams to five NCAA tournament appearances an NCAA tournament final berth, four conference tournament champions, championships, sorry, seven conference tournament finals and three regular season conference championships. I'm just getting started. So uh, he's coached 10 Olympians, 35 national team members from nine different countries, nine All-Americans, a Patty Kazmaier finalist, four Patty Kazmaier top 10 finalists, two NCAA grade eight award winners, five WCHA Outstanding Student Athletes of the Year, one Conference Player of the Year, one Conference Rookie of the Year, and 42 all-conference selections. I'm catching my breath. Okay. Um, how about this? Um, for those who just like the numbers, right? Across 16 seasons as a head coach in uh, essentially what all he's done, right? Career record of in-conference, 193, 149, and 39. That's a career 55.9% winning percentage. He has earned three NCHA regular season championships with UW Stevens Point and has orchestrated top half conference finishes in seven of his 11 seasons in the WCHA again, most of us coming with North Dakota before that yeah. was axed lightly, which is insane to me. Still, I, know. I, I think about that, but what he did with North Dakota was a little bit more drawn out, but almost the same process. You think about when North Dakota first came in the fold, their first, maybe what, two seasons, they kind of struggled a little bit. And then it's like, isn't it the three win season before he came aboard? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. And then the wagon started rolling until it, it did. Someone stole the wheels right out from under it. Um, but I mean, you talk about the, that program and really it's like if you had to if you had to name a program at that time in what what was it, 2015, 16, somewhere around there. Yeah. If you had to name a program in the WCHA that was not going to be in the WCHA next season, they I don't even know that they maybe would have cracked the top three on that list. No. Um, I don't even think it would have made a list, to be yeah. honest with you. Right. I, it was stunning when it happened. And it's still is stunning from multiple angles. But yeah. That's a rabbit hole that we do not. Well, welcome down. to welcome to America's wasteland. I live in it. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, when you talk when <laughs> when you talk about Brian Idolsky as a head coach, though, um, the ideology was immediate. The change was immediate, and you know, we're going to talk about this in a second. This um, specific approach to the game had been brewing for a while and taking nothing yeah. away from Steve McDonald, who I just saw was fishing last weekend and wishing him the best luck. He's clearly enjoying life. So good for him. Yeah. Um, his style of play was much different. And when I, when you and I got a chance to talk with these coaches, Janelle Sergey among them, you could tell that Janelle Sergey wanted a little bit more offensive push a little bit yeah. more in that department. I think this is her fifth season as associate head coach, 10th total with the program. You finally got to see kind of, you know, the shackles get undone a little bit. Yep. Her style meshed very well with Brian Idolsky's ideology. Yep. And you're starting to see that firepower that is coming into the fold. And I I am like beyond stoked for this women's team this season. This yep. is a team. This is a team that could make an NCAA tournament if all things 100%. 
go the way that we hopefully expect them to. Uh, Nick, before we talk about Janelle, uh, when you've had conversations with Brian, if you can get him to stop sipping his coffee, um, <laughs> wh- where are we at with this? Because again, we've raved about him for a year and change now. Yep. And we've tried to pull multifaceted approaches to talking about this women's program under his tenure. But if you had to really pull out one piece of information, if, if it was a, if it was a contest of like, you can only say one thing about Brian Idolsky that encapsulates what he means to this program. And I'm trying to buy Nick some time. Where would you don't need time? Where would you ultimately go? Accountability. That's it. Honestly. Um, you know, I, I've had conversations with Brian that essentially claims that that's the way he operates. He has expectations and meet it or you don't play or meet it. And you, we have, I have no problem moving up and down the line. Right. Let's say it this way. And, and it, maybe this is unfair, but I think Noah, when we talk about Steve in the past, right. And again, I'm with you, you know, great human being. And I get the sense and I'm not trying to speak for anybody in that program, nor are we trying to, you know, bash words. Right. But I think with Steve, there was a sense of, you know, this is the status quo. This is what we have to work with. So we're going to sort of play to what we have. Right. And I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but it also meant that if you're trying to move a program up, that was probably not the ideology you wanted moving forward. Right. Um, not to say that there weren't other challenges right beyond Steve's control, but that's the sense that I got. Brian was like, no, nope, nope, nope. Um, when he first came in, he told the girls, okay, we, we want to do this. We want to have, you know, a 500 season. We want to have close to 20 wins. He just basically, you know, in essentially a hypothetical sense, just held a mirror up. Yeah. Essentially, right? Um, and we saw that last year. In fact, he in our in our talks before, he said, you know, I I basically, you know, played two lines for a lot of the year just to try to keep us in the game. And he goes, but you know, toward the end of the year it hurt us because we were just we were just burned out, you know, with the the heavy minutes eaters that he had. Um, so and then again, you see that reflection in, you know, some of the transfers, and we'll get into some of those, you know, you know, ins and outs here in a little bit, but effectively, you know. Yes, accountability, but he's also a fantastic teacher. Well, you look at right. Well, you look at all the teams that have success. I think for a great example is Janelle Sergey, who of course comes from Wisconsin. You look at Mark Johnson, who we raved about a couple of weeks ago. That's what those programs do. It is not, oh, well, we've done this, so that's okay. It's we've done this. How can we get better every day? And that accountability piece, I think, is vitally important. You talked about uh you know, his approach to the game, Janelle Sergey, the same way, 2010 Olympic silver medalist, uh, eight Huskies to all WCHA honors, five all rookie team selections, 15 Huskies with 20 point seasons since she's been there, 14 double digit goal campaigns uh, during that time as well, too. Uh, and as Nick would say, I'm just getting started. Uh, 17 yeah. Huskies with pro contracts during her tenure. Uh, Kayla Friesen and Hannah Bates, former podcast guest, by the way, um, mm-hmm. both of the Connecticut Whale were NWHL and PAHF draft uh, 
draftees, basically. Um, as a player herself, uh, like we said, 2010 Winter Olympics, uh, silver medalist, also won silver with Team USA in 2007, four nations tournament participants in 2006, 7, 9, and 10. Um, and for the Badgers, uh, four-year career, 89 goals, 67 assists, 156 points, three 20-goal seasons, 40 points twice, and 50 points in her junior season. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for someone who knows how to run a power play and score some goals, yeah, um, just, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, you know, and Nick, I, that uh, doesn't even round out the coaching crew. Actually, for the first time in quite a while, this Huskies program, of course, Billy Hangen pu- pulling double duty, but uh, this program has four coach- four coaches in the fold. It does. Uh, again, uh, Mira Yuluso, um, uh Is it? No, it's not Yuluso. It's uh, I, I know I, I botched mm. that name, but she goes off. Actually, now a head coach in the PWHL. So for those... Um, thinking about the respect Adolski has is one of his sisters now as a pro head hockey coach. So they take that into consideration. Uh, but Billy Hengen, again, uh, uh, a big coach at Gentry Academy. So you talk about uh, what kind of a recruiting advantage that could have. Um, yep. Gentry Academy is kind of a wagon in terms of girls high school hockey. Um, so he's got quite the accolades. Uh, in fact, uh, how about this? 2022-2023 last year uh, won the Class AA title, which for those outside of Minnesota who don't know, that's the top class of high school hockey and uh they went 27 and 2 along the way that's pretty good right um so that's just their third year program history they already have a state title so uh take that with some consideration right um also led the boys program in uh, 2020 to 21 uh to a class single a state championship and they were undefeated 19 and 0 so um (laughs) crap right so winning right and success right more than anything right I know about this. He played at St. Cloud, right? Um, graduated in 2006. So he went under coaches Craig Dahl and Bob Mosco again, both former um, uh, guests of the show as well. Um, so at the end of it, as a player and as a coach, has been success there. Um, also, all, all academic honors for WCHA in 2005 and six. Um, so there's that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, Milizia. Yes, Malitza. Well, well, don't forget, by the way, Nick, I uh, back to back 20 point seasons as a sophomore yeah. junior, 32 his senior year. I uh, yeah. actually led the Huskies in assistant points per game over his final three years uh, during that time. Oh, and uh, coaching tenure, by the way, previously before some state championships, his 16 and 15 U teams had 50 and 60 wins, respectively, for Gentry. So, oops. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot some of those stats. I'll make sure it's <laughs> line by line. Um, so, Amelia McMillan in her first season, I'll put that in parentheses. There you go. I'm now going to get gonna kind of funky with this. Um, so, bullet points an All American and four time All WCHA selection at Minnesota with professional playing experience in the NWHL. Um, next bullet point three years of of coaching experience in WCHA. That's in parentheses at Ohio State. Coached five All-Americans, one WCHA Defensive Player of the Year, comma, one WCHA Rookie of the Year, six All-WCHA honorees, and two WCHA All-Rookie Team members over her three years with the program, three 21 seasons. And last but not least, because I'm not going to forget this, uh, <laughs> McMillan will work with the Huskies defensive corps, which again was vacated by uh, uh, Mira uh, from last year. So did I miss anything? <laughs> Better much. I love it. Um, a little bit. But really, I mean, th- there's a massive, there's a massive extensive accolade resume for this coaching staff. And I think we've taken so much time to talk about the Ohio States, the Minnesotas, the Duluth, and talk about their coaching groups. And, you know, 
St. Cloud is getting to that point where it's like, I mean, you go back really literally, Nick, four or five years ago, the, the cupboards were a little bit bare as far as some of the pedigree for some of these coaches. And it's like now you've started to see the success that Janelle Sergey has finally found. Now you bring Brian Idolsky into the fold. You kind of had, uh, you know, Mira Deluso, like you mentioned, who uh, ended up signing her contract and you add, uh, you know, Milica McMillan and her first Malicia. season. Malicia, sorry. Yeah, and, uh, um, and so, you know, you have you have a, a group that continues to get better and better, even on the coaching front too. And that's where, to me, this Huskies program has taken another step too, is you can talk all that you want about these players. You can talk all that you want about, uh, you know, what they need to do better, the groups that you're bringing in, which we're going to talk about in a second, but having a good coaching group that meshes well, that, kind of preaches the same thing and lets the players play to their potential. And then some, I think is extremely important. Nick, we talk about uh, players from last season. Uh, they lose a couple of graduates, a lot of fifth year players. You need a new Lynn Tatum guy or McKenna Wesso. Allie Cornelius was a red shirt senior last year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what they lose. Um, and they also lose eight total transfers uh, this upcoming season, Nick. So I, um, which was kind of a big list, uh, you know, to start, but with the, portal on the other side and the incoming freshman obviously uh, it seems to have alleviated that very quickly five forwards two defensemen one goaltender nick that are on their way out uh who are the huskies losing for the upcoming season uh courtney hall um who had 15 points in 35 games olivia savar who funny enough the next time the huskies play will be facing off with each other because she went to mercyhurst she had 10 points in 35 games allison green um also gone three points in 33 games Chase Sperling only dressed for one game, uh, had zero points. Um, I think that speaks for itself. Lauren Tuzik, 30 games, zero points as a defenseman. Uh, Julia Bacchetti, who did not dress a single game as a freshman goaltender, um, she goes to find uh, other opportunities. I can't really say I blame her very much, right? Um, you have a 1A and a 1AA. -A in uh, Jojo Choback and Sonia Hola. So that's not too surprising. Uh, Mackenzie Bourgere, um, 37 games played, one assist. And then Bailey Burden, who uh, only played about half the year, in fact, uh, was actually out for the remain, basically the last half of the season with some, um, uh, was away from the team. She had two goals, six assists, eight points. So she essentially aged out. So those are the folks that uh, uh, no longer in the Huskies uh, system. Yeah, uh, Allison Green and Bailey Burton uh, yet to have a destination as far as I can see, according to the to the rink live. You're exactly correct, Olivia Savar at Mercyhurst. Uh, Chase Sperling and Courtney Hall going to Robert Morris, respectively. Mackenzie Borgeret, we've talked about this, uh, ended up at Mankato. And yep. then Julia Bacchetti ended up at Maine. And then the one that was kind of unique to me, Lauren Tuzik, who played in 30 games in the back end as a freshman, didn't have a point, but headed to D3 uh, Norwich. So that was kind of an interesting little... Um, Probably one of those honest conversations of, okay, you know, that's, I, a lot of, that's a lot of games though. I mean, it is, um, but, and again, I'm not trying to speak for Friedalski, but I, I, I definitely get the sense that after last year, as you see with some of the turnover, right? I think there were some honest conversations from both coach and players themselves, right? About, you know, what an off season might look like and maybe isn't as uh, surprising as we, we want to think. And I'll tell you what, from what we saw a couple of weeks ago so far for St. Cloud as a whole, it's, it's been all right. Yeah, certainly has six transfers coming in four forwards, two defensemen, Nick, who's, uh, who's entering the fold on the other side. So a couple from Bemidji state, actually, uh, Ella Anik, who, while uh, Holy cow had seven points all last year, already has five in two games. How about that? Right. Uh, she had two goals, five assists, uh, Taylor Larson coming over. She had zero points. Um, 
when I saw her play uh, again uh, against Union, uh, a very good all-around player. Um, probably not the biggest offensive threat, but uh, very smart, very good on her feet, makes good decisions. Uh, CeCe Bowlby, who uh, is kind of a dark horse from Dartmouth, 19 points, including 10 goals. Um, Avery Farrell, who uh, I'll tell you a good quote from Avery Farrell um, after the game against Union on Sunday. Um, Dolsky called her the biggest surprise. Um, and you wouldn't think so, right? Because when you look at her numbers, 12 goals, 16 assists, 28 points for Franklin Pierce. Um, but again, the conversation we've had this, you know, over, shall we say, to the men's side out east and some conferences that are, shall we say, not up to the standards of, say, the Big Ten or the NCHC. So she was kind of a question mark, uh, but the raw skill was there. And he, mm-hmm. she's worked her way in the lineup. Now, granted, there's been some injuries um, and some illnesses that have led to an opportunity, but she scored. She got an assist. She's uh, producing. And um, she said the conversation with Adelski was, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to have like a a permanent spot for you. But uh, if you're up for the challenge of competing for one, um, you know, I can give that to you. And uh, she basically said, yes, I want a challenge. She's like, I feel like at uh, Franklin Pierce that, you know, it was not necessarily handed to me, but it wasn't challenging enough. And, uh, you know, all smiles on her face after Sunday's game. Uh, she really felt like she contributed. I thought she looked great um, and feels like, yes, you know, I got an opportunity and maybe it's going to be one of those situations with Adolski in this roster. You're going to have decisions to make as um, head coach Adolski is on the forward side. He said he's got five good solid lines. Again, they didn't dress Svenja Volkt, who is a German national team member. Um, she was out with illness and then, um, Regan Bulger also on the back end was out because of an illness or actually, sorry, it was lower body injury. So they've got kids yeah. who they can slot in and they're having to scratch, not because of raw skill, but because of essentially execution at this point. That's how good this Huskies team is. Yeah, certainly. As like you mentioned, Katie Kaufman and Maddie Peterson, you know, from Merrimack and RPI rounding out that yep. list, 23 and six points respectively. Um, really curious to see how Taylor, Taylor Larson assimilates too, uh, coming from over from, Bemidji, from Bemidji State and seeing uh, that movement. I, Nick, and you've got three defensemen in addition on the freshman side, Jaden Britt, Sidney Bryant, and Kenzie Hope on the back end mm-hmm. uh, that enter the fold, not to mention five forwards and a goaltender uh, for this yep. freshman crew of a pretty big class, all things considered. Uh, yeah, nine freshmen. Yeah, why don't uh, why don't we start maybe with the defenseman? Sure. Um, so for for Jaden Britt, right? Uh, I you know she played um, on that Sunday game, uh, more of a stay at home defenseman, but also again good feet, good decision maker. Sydney Bryan and Kenzie Hope. Um, they had good junior careers, uh, in terms of, you know, the women's hockey side of things. Uh, there's definitely an upside there on the forward side, uh, Grace Dominico, again, one of the Gentry Academy recruits, uh, there's no connection again, there from Billy Hengen, I would imagine. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, a little, some would say undersized, she's five, three, but she had a, a lickety split, uh, stat line at Gentry Academy. So, um, there's raw talent there. It's more of, you know, she's probably gonna need a little bit more time to develop and assimilate to the division one level. Uh, Greta Henderson, Marie Ma, Moran, again, same kind of a deal there. A good junior career is just probably need some more time to assimilate. Um, Alice, uh, surreal. Uh, coming over for Quebec, I had a really good uh, junior career over there uh, in the essentially the ladies version of the QMJHL. And uh, Sophia Sunderland, the Finnish Olympic player. Holy cow, is she good? Yeah, um, yeah, very, very I believe rookie of the week uh, in the WCHA week. last week. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of chances on that and, and that top line, the Olympic line. 
of uh, Sunderland. It was Clara Himlerova, and I'm missing one more, and it's going to drive me absolutely up the wall. Um, Laura Zimmerman. Yeah, the, the yep. Swiss. Um, that's a nasty first line. And uh, there was definitely some chemistry there. And uh, Sofiane, again, even as a freshman, showed that with her skill and her decision-making, she belongs on that. She is definitely the name to watch on the forward side. And then uh, Paige, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, if you're talking forward side, just to kind of throw this because, you know, numbers, right? I mean, 110 career games, 117 points, 57 of those goals for yeah. Sofiana. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Nuts. All these forwards, um, you know, Alice, like you talked about, 62-point senior campaign for her. Um, did we talk about uh, – um, Marie Moran too. I don't even know yeah. if we mentioned her 166 points over five years in her varsity career. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about Greta Henderson, uh, only seven Regina athletes to reach 100 career points. She was one of them. And then grace, like you talked about 68 points in 28 contests uh, mm -hmm. for Gentry. So, I mean, yeah, we talked about St. Cloud needing to get to that point where they supplemented that first wave. That really was Clara Himmlerova's group with, more offense to find that success from a freshman class. Yeah, I'd say the Huskies did all right. Yeah, they did fine. Um, and again, and, and granted, two games in, you know, is is certainly no too early for a litmus test. But uh, from what we've seen so far in terms of how the team itself and the chemistry there looks good, I'll say that much. Looks very good. Yeah, definitely would agree. And uh, yeah, Nick, like you mentioned, you're about to mention our single goaltender who has a great hockey name. Has to be. Yeah, Paige is a Hogan Dam. I think it's Hogan. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to say this out loud, but I kind of feel bad, right? Because um, it's going to be tougher to get playing time behind Showback and, and Sonia Hola. So um, the good news is, you know, she'll develop and I'm sure that she'll be there to push. It'll be interesting to see because I believe it's Sonia. Yeah, is it Sonny that's the senior this year? Or is it JoJo? One of the two is a senior. Uh, I think I it's JoJo. I think it's I JoJo. Let me look. Um, so it's going to be a question of, you know, what does Jojo Choback want to do, right? Did she come back for a graduate year? And uh, that's certainly going to be named to watch more for future watch. Um, as long as those two are healthy, I would imagine adults get with them. They're both seniors. They're um, both seniors. Okay. Yeah. So the door could be open for her next year. I, I would think, you know, and you don't want this, right? But, you know, barring an injury to one of the other you know, ladies or an illness that, you know, she probably will be uh, sitting light on the minutes, um, which is okay because she'll learn a lot from these two. Um, these are two very, very good goaltenders. And uh, Adolski has credited a lot of the yeah. success last season to be having essentially two starters uh, that he can rotate in and out and keep them fresh. So, um, again, raw numbers are there. We saw her junior career for Paige, but uh, at the end of the day, probably not going to be a name that we call a ton. And that's more just a compliment to the two goaltenders that have been here and uh, continue to play at a high level. Yeah. When you're coming from Pickering uh, high school in Toronto with the junior arrows, if you have a nine, five, eight, save percentage and a one, nine, eight GAA facing almost 50 shots a game. And you're the third string net minder. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> Honestly. Not, yeah. Not too shabby. Obviously like, like we talked about, you must um, be watching the Maple Leafs, but actually stopping pucks. <laughs> You know, and, and when I when I think about uh, this program too, I mean, you talked about uh, you know players that are returning. We talked about Clara Himmlerova, who paced the team last season as far as returners, twenty six points for her last year, seventeen goals, the best on the team. Emma Gentry uh, will come in for her senior season, had twenty two points last season. Taylor Lynn, a graduate player that is staying, she had over twenty points last year. Grace Wolf on the back end was almost at twenty points last season. This Huskies team has a chance to 
Um, if everything goes right, the freshmen come up to speed, the transfers feel good. They could challenge for a top uh, four spot in the WCHA. I, I, I don't know if they could get to three, just depending on the firepower that the top three or four do have. Um, mm-hmm. But to say that they wouldn't be in the conversation to challenge like a Duluth at four is definitely not out of the question, Nick. No, um, it's not. You know, why don't uh, why don't we pull up the schedule here and uh, take a look at the Huskies uh, and who they Hold have on. coming up? We've what's up? Hold the phone because we're not following the bullet points. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on this BS because this is what we do. No, I'm kidding. you. Oh, okay. Captains, <laughs> captains. So, and the reason actually, I'm, I'm stopping. Well, while we talked, we talked about it three weeks ago, so that's why I brushed over it. So, but um, okay, okay. Did but I actually have the answer on why there's six. Okay, there from you my go. friend. So this is actually kind of a cool story. So when I talked to Brian uh, again before the Union Series, I asked him about six captives. I'm like, that's a lot. And uh, essentially, he said, you know, the the leadership group that was already there, you know, in the locker room, the 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 veteran. Uh, folks, he's like, you know, we took a vote and it was basically kind of split. And, you know, he was like, I don't want to take away or devalue, you know, that leadership in the room. So what they're doing is there's going to be essentially out rotating alternate captains home and away. There's going to be two that wear the A at home, a different two that wear those away. So there'll be four captains always dressed. Essentially, it's going to be Himlerova, Lind, and one, is it one other here, let, let no, just Himmlerova and Lind that are the all-time captains, essentially the C and the A. And then there's going to be two rotating um, that, yeah, so the I, two rotate at home and two rotated away. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got uh, um, as far as far as assistant captains, like you mentioned. So it, like you said, Taylor Lind will wear the C, Clara Himmlerova, then Emma Gentry, Dale Ross, Eddie Scribner, Grace Wolf round out that yes. group. So, um, and here's what was cool. So when I asked him, you know, hey, you know. At the end of it, you know, on the men's side, you know, we talked about how, you know, the the room has to sort of lead itself to be successful at the highest level. He's like, was that part of this? And, you know, or is this sort of like you're trying to hand the keys to the car per se? And he's like, every team that's successful. And he's like, I've been a part of him as a coach. I've been part of him as a player. That's how it works. Because the team, if they're leading themselves and they're the ones that are, you know, calling the shots and effectively, you know, yes, I, I have them wanting to play a certain way. And if that's being resonated and, you know, it's, it's not something I have to sort of monitor myself. He goes, that's makes a successful national championship winning type program. He's like, we sort of have that. He goes, and there were others that received votes that were younger kids that we didn't want to give them a letter just because we felt like maybe they were just too young. He's like, so yeah, there's six, there's six captains, but he's like, honestly, there could have been more. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to hear because that's again not trying to take down other, you know, husky rosters in the past, but that's just not a locker room that we heard of before Idolski. We'll put it that way. Yeah, certainly would agree. And you know, when you have a locker room that has so many players that lead themselves and have potential in that regard, again, like you said, it just bodes well. And it's like nobody looks at at, you know, the person to their left or the person to their right, and there's no sort of like you know, disrespect, so to speak. It's like everybody is, you know, an equal contributor to the process. And yeah, this women's team, I can't wait for them to continue their schedule. We talked about uh, 10 to 1 was the final score over the weekend, two games against Union a couple weeks ago. Uh, They get back in action this week. Mercyhurst, the 6th and 7th games are at uh, 5 o'clock and 1 o'clock, respectively. So uh, again, 
uh, Mercyhurst for some non-conference action. The following week, the Huskies get into WCHA play. They've got three WCHA conference, the 13th, 14th, and 17th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday. Bemidji State on the weekend, Minnesota at Ritter Arena that Tuesday before coming back the following weekend. So a, a pretty tough slate. You've got five games within the span of a week and change. So uh, then they play mm-hmm. Northeastern, either Lindenwood or Sacred Heart uh, in that non-conference tournament that Friday, Saturday. So um, before back into WCHA action, they play Mankato to round out the month of October. So a pretty tough gauntlet of games uh, in terms of uh, a mix of scheduling crammed in there for the month of October. Then it is only four contests for the Huskies in November. They have a week off, uh, uh, two weeks off in the middle of that, actually, during the holidays yeah. and in the middle. So they play Wisconsin week off and then home and home with St. Thomas before another week off during Thanksgiving, which is really nice. Traditionally, the Huskies have played on Thanksgiving. It's kind of nice to see mm-hmm. them get that off for the holiday. Yeah. Um, and then it's Ohio State, Minnesota on a Tuesday, and then Duluth Friday, Saturday to round out their first half schedule. That is a tough uh, week and a half in December to finish out your first half. The St. Cloud team, um, you know, they definitely have tests as far as trying to stay fresh, trying to stay healthy. I would not be shocked to see players who are on the outside looking in jump into the lineup and see a pretty healthy cast and rotation of players. Yep. First first half schedule, Nick, what do you pull from it? Uh, get ready to get tested early, right? Yep. Um, and that's good. I, I think from what I saw again just a couple of weeks ago in Union, this team's ready for it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's kind of almost sucks that when you outscore your opponent 10, one, that you have to, you have to have a week off. Right. Um, cause I think, you know, the instinct as a player and a coach is you, you want to keep the momentum going. Uh, but at the same time, you know, time to go back on some film and maybe spend some extra time with cleaning up some of those details that he mentioned, especially defensively, even though again, one goal against, but there was some sloppy play at times and it happens again. It's their first weekend of hockey. Um, but again, after mercy hurts, you get right into the thick of it. Right. Uh, so I think at the end of it, um, you get Minnesota early. It's going to be a good early test for this squad to see where they're at. Um, I expect that to be an absolute barn burner. I really, yeah. really do. I think that's going to be a very exciting game um, for not just Husky fans, for college hockey women's fans. I really, really do. And then the icebreaker tournament, always kind of fun to do something like that. Um, and then again, you get right yeah. back into uh, the WCHA, right? Mankato, Wisconsin, St. Thomas. It's actually going to be tough in November because you're, you know, week on, week off. Granted, this holidays, you do, but that's tough, right? To kind of sustain maybe some of the things you're trying to work on, sustain momentum. And I get momentum sort of a hyperbole, you know, a hyperbole to a degree. But, you know, yeah. if you're playing well, you want to keep playing. So you, that's going to be kind of a, I think the tougher test is how do you balance the time off and then being able to jump right back in on the ice and complete at a high level with, you know, without looking like you've lost a step. So it's yeah. going to be a tough schedule in November. Yeah, that, I mean, it's tough, though, because, I mean, it's you have Bemidji State, you travel to Minnesota on a Tuesday, and then yeah. I would say probably that Wednesday or maybe Thursday, you're on an airplane because that uh, icebreaker tournament is at Martire Family Arena in Connecticut. So, I mean, you're yeah. playing Friday, Saturday, then you come back and you have to play Mankato and Wisconsin back to back. So I think that first grouping that week off will be nice. St. Thomas hopefully should be a test that the Huskies should be able to handle. And then, and then you get uh, another week off during the holidays, like you said before, you take on Ohio State, the Gophers again, and then Duluth. So second half, a little more traditional, 
Um, so if you can get through December, I think that you set yourself up well for a good second half. Uh, six games uh, in the month of January, eight in the month of February. So um, the Huskies do not return to action until school basically starts, so to speak. Actually, they are off from December 9th until January 12th. That's going to be interesting. They open up with Mankato at home, home and home against St. Thomas, and then they stay at home uh, for Ohio state before they finish with uh seven. Yeah. Seven of eight on the road to finish their schedule here, Nick, Wisconsin on the road, Minnesota at home, and then on the road for that home and home weekend against the Gophers. And then on the road for four straight after against Duluth and Bemidji to round out the season. I would say if you want me to be honest in a non Homerism perspective, this is one of the tougher schedules in the WCHA. Um, That's tough. This St. Cloud team, uh, I guess to kind of roll two questions into one, like we normally do, second half is tough. Like you to, do, not me. Well, <laughs> tell me what you think about it. And overall, over the course of the season, St. Cloud, how do they handle the WCHA? How do they, how do they take on this season? Well, like you do, right? Let's do the coach's cliche answer day by day. <laughs> Honestly, though, I mean, because, I mean, you talk about that stretch early, right? When you got to go to Bemidji on the weekend, you get, what, a day off, essentially, maybe. And then you're going into Tuesday to face the Gophers. And then you're traveling to face two, you know, important non-conference games out east in an iceberg, you know, in a tournament, right? So at the end of it, and then you go right back to action after a weekend. So uh, you have to take it day by day, right? And uh, I think... Under the Idolski leadership, we've seen this from last year that you know, this team is going to be well prepared. They're going to be taking care of themselves. They're going to be you know up to speed on game film. Um, I think they're going to do all right. If I'm going to be honest with you, I really do. And uh, how do they handle it? Honestly, if 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 I'm the Huskies and I'm in that locker room, go on their think, you know, go on there and go and take it. I know it sounds like simple. But again, this program, I, I still think there's a little bit of a cloud. I say very little that you're sort of, you know, the underdog. And to a degree, I think there's some truth to that. But I think now it's like, I think you've got some weight to your feet now. I think you do have a stronger punch, right? So if you're going to go into the gauntlet of the Wisconsin's, the Minnesota's, the Ohio State's, right? Even to Duluth, for that matter, uh, you have to go in with the confidence that not only can you hang, you can beat these teams, right? I think the mental part of this season is going to be the big test for them, just as we talked about on the men's side with Chris Mayotte, right? So I think the opportunity is there for them. If they can just believe in their game, go out there and execute against, still be staunch defensively, and then deploy what is a very much improved and much deeper offensive attack, the opportunity is there. The skill is there. You got to go out there and do it. And I do think this team if they just commit to that and just, again, feel like they can do it, they can really turn some heads again this year. And they've got options too, both forward and defensively, you know, and even yeah. goaltending wise, if you want to be even more specific, I mean, this team finally has what I would say, this is probably on paper, at least the deepest St. Cloud women's team we have seen Ever. in maybe half a decade. Yeah. Oh, you know, longer than maybe that. Yeah, maybe even a decade. I mean, the, the teams of the late 2000s, early 2010s were pretty good. And I think that if you're getting back to that relevance uh, and if this freshman class can replicate what Clara Himmlerova's group did when we were there uh, together at St. Cloud State, uh, one of the best, if not the best freshman classes in terms of production and program history, um, 
yeah, this is going to be an exciting road for the St. Cloud yes. women's hockey team. I cannot wait. It's going to be a fantastic season. Like we said, back in action this week against Mercyhurst. Uh, speaking of schedules and all things day by day, the Huskies Warming House podcast is brought to you by the Soda Pod. Stay wild and up to date with all things in the state of hockey. CenterSU.com, there to cover it all. Huskies Illustrated as well. Your home for all things St. Cloud hockey related, including latest news and photos of your favorite Husky. So like we mentioned, uh, you have... a this uh, St. Cloud women's team that is back in action against Mercyhurst before getting into WCHA action. Um, and then St. Cloud, you know, we start to preview the men's team here. They, just like the women's team, will have two games under their belt, respectively. Uh, and the men's hockey team will play St. Thomas uh, on the 7th and 8th. So again, the women play Friday, Saturday against Mercyhurst in Mercyhurst. Men's team plays Saturday, Sunday against St. Thomas uh, this upcoming weekend. So hockey is back in the Granite City. Uh, the men's team... Yep. The men's team will get a recap, as will the women's team next week, and the men's team will get their NCHC preview, our 16th and final one, and hockey season is officially rolling. Like we mentioned, Tuesday, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, I'll be and I'll be honest. Uh, you know, Tuesday releases from here on out. Um, 16 previews is a lot. I think between Nick and I talking about this, and you know, obviously some of the scheduling things that we had to do. This, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to 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 break down every team and uh, i i think we we would be lying if we nick I, I think i probably speak for you here in this sense i we'd be lying if we said that we weren't a little tired <laughs> from yeah. previewing, previewing these teams i you know it, it's a lot to to dive into both the saint cloud teams to add 14 others on top of that is well there's just so much unknowns right at the yeah. end of the day, even with the teams that you know we would like to think we know a little bit more ins and the, and the outs than the others, but at the end of it, you know, trying to balance that with everything else we got going on and, you know, outside the microphones and the, yeah. the webcams or in Kayla JP bodies, like a screenshot. I wish I could absolutely burned at to smithereens and hell and back. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. And more so that now hockey is back, right? So yes. the previews are done. Let's get, actually get the puck down and let's play some freaking hockey, man. Yeah, this is my favorite time of year, the kind of the the foreboding that is the hockey season right around the corner. Like we said, last preview for the NCHE next week, and then after that, it'll basically be women's recap and men's recap from here on out when we go through our, our weekly shows. So we'll dive into the nitty-gritty of the weekends for both teams and get to talk real in-depth just about basically four games of hockey or less each weekend. And I think that that's really exciting to really – kind of get back to our roots a little bit and dive into the nitty gritty ins and outs night in and night out weekend in and weekend out for both of these squads. And I'm really excited for it. Um, Nick, but this St. Cloud women's team, it's going to be a really exciting ride for this program. Anything else you want to add for this group before we head on our way here? Go watch the team, go to the herb. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, the attendance needs to get up. The fact that this program on the women's side doesn't get at minimum you know, a four digit number, a thousand or better in the seats every night, at the Herbert National Hockey Center. I think yeah. they will this year. I think, you know, give yeah. it, you know, some time. I think there's going to be a genuine buzz around this team this year. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, there's, there's a, there's a really good reason now for him to go. So uh, students yeah. themselves, again, if, if you're out there, yeah, the men's team is fun to watch, but this women's team, I'm telling you, they're yeah. going to be just as fun to watch. They are primed for one hell of a season. Go out there and show your support. Uh, this team needs you at the Herb Rush National Hockey Center. Absolutely would agree. As players ourselves, we can attest when you have a rock and building, it's much easier to play. And uh, the advantage definitely goes to the home team. The Huskies could definitely use that. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den.
Palmer. Come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perks! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.